Well, it's so good to be here tonight, and uh, I've been struggling with what to preach. Um, I thought the Lord had it settled what he wanted me to preach, and I know I say this a lot of times, but I really did. I thought I had it down for the last couple days, and then about uh, two hours ago, the Lord said, no, I want you to preach this. And uh, even this, uh, I mean, my wife is like, what are you doing? I'm going back and forth between two messages, because I'm like, I don't know, I, you know, and, and, uh, but I truly believe this is what the Lord wants me to preach, so I'm going to do it, amen? And I'm going to, it's a uh, little bit of teaching, a little bit of preaching, uh, but what, what a blessing, all these uh, special songs, especially about the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love that God the Father has had for us and has for us is unbelievable, and how little we do compared to how much he's done for us and does for us. And it does blow my mind that God could use somebody like me. I mean, I don't deserve to be up here. I don't deserve to be anywhere but in hell. And I thank God for his mercy, his long-suffering, his forgiveness. And even though I make mistakes every day, uh, the Lord can forgive and does forgive. So I thank the Lord for that. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, had amazing stakes today. Pastor Kinney made some steak, and it was amazing. No coffee, unfortunately, but uh, we had steak, and just wanted to thank everybody that had a part in that, and I know uh, Helen and um, Melanie um, were cleaning up afterwards, and that goes unnoticed by a lot of people. A lot of people don't know what they do, but I know they do a lot of work here, so I just wanted to thank them for that as well. Matthew chapter 28. As Jennifer and I have, we went on deputation eight, nine years ago. So nine years ago we started. I started deputation to go on the field, and I was still an x-ray technologist. I still had my full-time job, and so what I would do is on the, on the lunch hours that I had, I would call pastors around this area. And I'd say, hello, I'm from Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church, and someone would say, oh yeah, Pastor Brian Legault, the big tall guy? You know, yeah, and uh, they'd say, yeah, look, I mean, I can't tell you how many pastors in this area said, come on in, when do you want to come on in? We, and I'm like, do you want to know anything about me? No, we know, brother, like, go, come on in anytime you want. And I just, uh, I know I've said it to a pastor before, but I'm so thankful for Pastor Legault and just the faithfulness and how easy it was for us to be able to get into a lot of churches because of our faithful pastor. So just wanted to thank you, Pastor. And uh, you know what I know, What we realized, Jennifer and I realized many times, though, going to different churches is you can tell when a church loves missions. You can tell. You walk in there, and I'm sure many of you have been in other churches, and you walk in that place, and it's not necessarily just a feeling or an oppression. It's just you walk in there, and depending on the friendliness, depending on especially missions-minded uh, uh, you know, prayer letters, I know our prayer letters are read here from the pulpit. You go to other churches where uh, it's unbelievable. It'll surprise you what other churches care about. And a lot of them don't care about missions as they should. And I truly believe that as missions goes out the window and is not a priority in a church, so goes the church. I truly believe that. Because you cannot have a local New Testament Bible-believing church without a good missions program. And when I say program, you know what I mean. Program is one in one with a local church and the mission of a local church. And uh, we were in some churches. Now, I was real careful with what churches we went to. <laughs> I would go online for most of them, and I'd say, okay, what do they believe? Because I don't want to get in there and get sideswiped, right? And uh, I remember our first missions conference. I won't tell you where it was. 
because some of you might know where it is. <laughs> and some of you might have already known this. But uh, I'm not going to tell you the name of the church. But I was still a full-time x-ray technologist back in Syracuse. And so uh, traveling back and forth and all this kind of stuff. And, and I remember going, I mean, just full bore for a whole week at this missions conference. And the pastor said, listen, I want you to preach on this passage. So we had a passage that was supposed to be the theme of the whole week of missions. So I said, okay, praise God. And so I was preaching against sin. I was preaching on forgiveness through Jesus Christ. I was preaching on the whole armor of God that we need to go out there and we need to win battles for the Lord, win souls for the Lord, go out there and win people for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, I thought, man, I'm doing a pretty good job. <laughs> and uh, I remember Sunday morning that pastor came up to me and I'm exhausted, right? Just working full-time, dra- traveling back and forth and trying to, I was preaching every day. And uh, that last morning, Sunday morning, I remember he came up to me and before he had told me, he said, listen, uh, uh, you know, I want you to preach Sunday morning. I said, sure, no problem. Well, after I did Sunday school, I did Sunday school and I, I was doing a whole thing on the whole armor of God. And he was writing down all these notes and I thought, well, praise God, he's loving this. <laughs> he's eating this thing up. I mean, he's writing all this stuff down. And you know what he did? We went downstairs for a little while, and he said, now I just want you to know I'm going to preach the morning message. And I said, okay, no, no problem, you know. And so what he did was, he, he said, listen, I want to be able to preach on uh, faith promise missions, get my people to truly understand what faith promise is. And I said, praise God. Yeah, that would be great. And so you know what he did? He got up in that pulpit, and he preached against everything I preached the whole week. Everything preach that, you know, we don't have to repent of our sins once we're saved, that, you know, God gets mad, you know, and all that kind of, your, your fellowship doesn't get off and all that. I mean, going off on everything that I, I mean, he set me up. <laughs> you know what that was? That was using a missionary to try and push his agenda. He was changing his doctrine. He was changing all this stuff, and he was only getting one amen from the congregation. <laughs> and he said, that's okay, I'll start with one amen. And he was changing all the doctrines of the church, and he was using a missionary. You know what that is? That is a, a pastor that does not love missions. And maybe he did at one point, but he doesn't anymore. And I don't know, that was nine years ago, so I don't know anymore. Um, now, listen, we, we went to 85 churches, I believe, and I would say 98% of the churches were amazing, were great, were, were great to us. But I'm just telling you about some of the stories because I was very selective in what I selected and where we would go. Another church we went to, um, we went there and... I think I mentioned this last time I was here. Uh, I mean, when we show our video, it is something important. We want people to see uh, the faces that we're ministering to, the, to see the names, that, the faces that go along with the names that we're asking to pray for that need salvation, that need to stay in church and stay out of the world. And I remember I went there and I said, Pastor, well, first I went there and uh, this man, you know, was coming in with all this stuff. And I said, hey, can I help you? I kind of got in front of him a little bit. I said, can I help you, brother? He said, no, you can get out of my way. That's what you can do. <laughs> I said, whoa. And so I said, okay, no problem, you know. Come to find out he's one of the deacons. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then so I went up to pastor when he finally got there. And I said, listen, I've got, this is in Pennsylvania. And I said, I've got a missions DVD. Could we try it in the DVD player? Because if your DVD player doesn't work, I brought the whole setup. I can show everything on mine. He said, I'm sure it'll work fine. I'm sure it'll work fine. Uh, so I said, could we just check it just to make sure? He's like, no, nope, it's always worked for every other missionary. So he wasn't going to have me preach or anything. He was just going to have me present the video. And so we traveled hours to get there. And so we go there, and he finally has me come up. I put the DVD in, and it starts fine for about 30 seconds. And then it pauses. 
And so I get up and I said, well, so what's going on here? And then it starts again. <laughs> and then I sit down. And then, it and then it stops again. And then I stand back up. And then after about five times of doing that, I'm saying, I'm sorry, Pastor, you know. And, and he's like, well, it's okay. And then he just went on with the whole service and never even mentioned anything more about the mission field. You say, what is that? When we were done with that, the pastor got done preaching, we went back to our table, and everybody walked by us in that church. Not one person came up to talk to us. Not one. Not one said, can you talk to me about your mission field? Can you tell me about the souls getting saved? You know what the different chatter we heard was about what they were going to eat when they got out of there, what they were going to do? You know what that is? That is a church that has lost their vision. Now, I'm not saying that to put any pastors down. I'm not saying that to put any churches down. I'm telling you right now that we need to make sure that we don't lose our vision here at Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church. And here in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 5, Matthew chapter 28, verse 5, the Bible says, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Praise God, he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. Now go down here, and I want you to look at verse 16. The Bible says in verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you'd bless this message now, Lord. And uh, Lord, uh, you know why you wanted this message tonight. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd Again, use me tonight, Lord. Again, please, Lord, hide me behind the cross and help me with my tongue, Lord, not to get all twisted up. Lord, help bring everything back to remembrance that you want to be said. Whatever you don't want to be said, Lord, stop my mouth from saying it. And Lord, I just pray for our church, for our hearts, individually, Lord, that we would never lose the vision, Lord, that you have for us in regards to reaching the world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in Matthew chapter 28, of course, the context is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And the last or the first thing he says pretty much when he rises from the dead to the 11 apostles here is there in verse 18. And he says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. He says, go ye into all the world. Go ye into all the world. That is a command, and that is not only a command to the disciples, but he says there then in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Not only did he tell the disciples to go out there into all the world, but he tells them to then teach everybody else to do the same thing and go out into all the world. Look at me to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we're going to go fast through these because I know you know them. We, gotta, we need to make sure we don't lose our vision and get off sidetracked because there goes our church if we do that. 
And then it becomes just more of, well, a social gathering and let's have all these different clubs and, and things that we have going on. And we do bring in more people maybe locally and things like that. But, boy, the, the message, the gospel starts going to the sideways. You're going to start seeing the music change. You're going to start seeing the dress change. And, and uh, you're going to start seeing the King James Bible go away. And the whole reason why is many times because they just start losing their vision. And I don't want that to happen here, and I'm sure you don't either. And in Mark chapter 16, look at verse 14. The Bible says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven, as they sat at meat, and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. Again, here is a, another account of that same thing of him being raised from the dead and he comes to the 11 disciples and he says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we know exactly what the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I declare unto you the gospel, verse 3, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And a lot of people leave off, and sometimes I do, uh, when we say he died and he was buried. Well, he didn't just die. He died for our sins. He died on that cross because of my sins. He died on the cross because of your sins and the whole world's sins. And he died not for himself. He was stricken not for himself, but for our, our sins. And boy, when we go out there and we preach the gospel, we go out there and say, hey, listen, you're, you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell, and you need Jesus Christ as your Savior, or you're destined for an eternal lake of fire. Look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Why do we make such an emphasis on missions? Why should we? Well, I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ makes a huge emphasis on missions. Luke chapter 24, verse 47. Let's start in verse 44. Luke chapter 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, it's Jesus Christ, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. You start to see a pattern here that over and over, right when Jesus Christ rises from the dead, he comes to the eleven disciples, and what's on his heart? It is getting the gospel out to the whole world, to all the nations. Look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, look at verse 21. Here he is with the disciples again, and he says this in verse 21, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And what was Jesus sent here by the Father to do? 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so when he says, as God the Father sent me, so send I you, the Lord is saying, hey, listen, now I'm sending you out to the world to reach sinners. And that is what our goal is. Now, he said it four times in the Gospels. Now, look at me to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41. Anytime the Lord repeats something, 
There's very few things in all four Gospels that are present throughout the four Gospels. And here you have missions to the whole world throughout all four Gospels. And here in Genesis chapter 41, look at verse 32. And for that, the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. When God not only just mentions it once, but then he mentions it twice, God says that means it's important. That means there's something to this, that God's going to bring it to pass, and it's, it's important to the Lord Jesus Christ. We better pay attention, and we better do what he says. Look at Acts chapter 1. So not only did he mention it twice, he mentioned it four times, right after he rose from the dead there. And I understand that those are uh, many of the same accounts, but it's not a mistake that he took up that time and that space in your Bible to mention it four times in each gospel. Look at Acts chapter 1. That was after he rose from the dead. This is right before he ascends up into heaven. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. He's saying, listen, I don't want you only to go to Jerusalem. You see what he says there? He says both in Jerusalem, and he goes on. He doesn't just say in Jerusalem and then keep going on. He says both in Jerusalem, and then he keeps going, and he says, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So what he's saying here is uh, Jerusalem is where they're at, kind of the city where they're at, right? So that would be for us, our city right now would be Martville. And he's saying, I want you to go both into Martville and then into New York State, and then I want you to go into this country of the United States of America, and I also want you to go throughout the world, not just in Martville, but both in Martville and throughout all those other places. And you say, how in the world can I be both here in Martville and then also reach souls all throughout the whole world? How in the world can I do that? I can't split myself up like God can. Well, that's where missions comes in place. That's why missions is so important. Look at me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And we're going to see a firsthand account of missions taking place in the Bible. I went to a missions conference last time I was here. Where was I? Where did I go? With Brother Bard. Where? Anyway. I blanked on that. I went out there, and man, it was a great missions conference. Many of you know, of course, uh, Brother Dempsey, and uh, we, I know we supported him here for many, many years. He was the guest speaker there, and he was preaching the whole time. While one of the uh, men, he's not, uh, he's not a part of that church, he's not a part of the congregation, he was coming to visit, and he just, he knew I was a visiting uh, pastor there, he knew I was a visiting missionary there, and he came over, he must have felt comfortable with me, and he's just saying, oh, I can't believe this, you know, talking about missions and all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, I'm looking at him like, what are you, crazy? <laughs> and he's like, I just don't think this is right, you know, just trying to get money and doing all this kind of stuff from people, and I just looked at him and I said, what do you think that Bible's about? <laughs> 
I said, now I understand that the, the main theme is, of course, a king in his kingdom, the Lord Jesus Christ, but how do you get people into that kingdom? How do you get people into heaven? By missions. And uh, here in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says, Now there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As he ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work, wherein do I have called them? And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now here we have God instituting the missions program in the church of Antioch. And here you have, number one, in verse one, you have, now there was in the church that was at Antioch. I want you to see, number one, you cannot have a good missions program without first a good local church. Right here it says that that missions journey was sent out of a good local church. You cannot tell me that you can have a great ministry, and maybe you can, but out throughout this whole entire Bible, somebody is sent out of a local church. Uh, you want to be able to read this Bible, most every single New Testament book in there is addressed to a church. And boy, God is all about local churches. And look at verse 2 here. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Here is a church that is busy for the Lord. This church is not just one just sitting back and just thinking, boy, what am I going to do when I get out of here tonight? <laughs> what am I going to do? They're focused on the Lord. They're fasting and they're paying attention to what's being preached. They're, their heart's in it and they want to hear from God. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, verse 2, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein do I have called them. I want you to see here that God is the one that calls the missionaries out of the local church. Now, it is wrong for a pastor to go and say, I think you are called to go there. <laughs> I think you should go over there. Now, it's okay if they say, I think you. Don't ever say, you better go over there, you know. And uh, you know what? The, who calls them? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets a hold of that person's heart to go. And you know, ever since COVID, I've been talking to some pastors, some pastors that support us, some pastors that don't. And you know they say ever since COVID, they have very few calls from missionaries that are trying to get out in the field. Very call. And I don't know if that's the same here. But boy, I tell you what, the calls have gone down. When we were on deputation nine years ago and I was calling pastors, some wouldn't call me back. So, because they're just swamped. I understand. And so some of them, you know, it's hard to tell what you should do, right? Should I call them five times a day? <laughs> uh, should I leave five messages a day? I know Brother Viscom knows this. Should I, you know, call them every week? Should I wait a month and call them? I don't know. Everybody's different. And uh, many of the pastors I would talk to, if they say, I'm so sorry, it's taken me, you know, three weeks to get a hold of you. I go through probably, you know, 30 missionaries a month. 30 missionaries. I get voicemails from 30 missionaries. Now, they're saying that there is very few missionaries. Now, I know not every church is the same. Very few missionaries that are calling, trying to get out on a mission field. You say, what is that? Is it God that stopped calling people to go on the mission field? Is it the Holy Spirit saying, well, it's, uh, we don't need to reach the world? It's a, no, there is something wrong. And I'm telling you right now, it's not the Holy Spirit. You know what it is? It's local churches not making an emphasis on missions. It's hearts in those churches not even caring about the world, not even caring about souls going to hell. And they just say, well, I'm comfortable where I am. I know, and, and again, I'm nothing special. I remember when I was 
coming here, and I was working in Syracuse, and uh, it was a Wednesday night, one night, and I remember I got home from work late from Syracuse Orthopedic Specialist, and I had my scrubs on, so I'm trying to get changed. While I was getting changed, I was went into my apartment there and, and uh, got over to my computer, and I just had a whole bunch of sermons listed there, and I just had MP3 DVDs. I know we don't even have those hardly anymore, but I had an MP3 DVD put it in there, and I was going to burn a couple messages onto it, so I just didn't even look. I just put a couple on there, and it was burning while I was getting dressed, and then I took that CD and got into my car and came on my way out here. And so that first message that I was listening to was uh, by Brian Donovan. And he was preaching on missions. And at that point, I just assumed that eventually God wanted me to start a church maybe in New York or start an institute or whatever. Maybe I think we were having the institute here. So I was praying that God would maybe allow me to uh, teach here at some point, something like that. And I remember I'm in that car and I'm just driving here, you know, and and, uh, Brother Donovan is starting to preach hard on missions. And he started to say, man... Out of a church this size, there's got to be more people that are being called. He said, you know, maybe there's some of you in here are just too fat and lazy to go. (laughs) And I said, yeah, amen, you preach, that's good. (laughs) You tell them, yeah, you get on them. And I didn't think much of it, and and we get to church, you know, and I get to church. Me and Jennifer were engaged. She wasn't living with me at the time, of course, and so I'm here by myself, and then, uh, then I start on my way back home, and the next message is coming up, and wouldn't you know, it's Pastor Donovan again. And once you know what message it's on again, it's on another message, but it's on missions. And boy, he starts going off again about, man, there's got to be more souls that are being called by the Holy Spirit, but they're just not going. They're not surrendering. And I remember he said this. He said, maybe you're just too comfortable to go. And right then and there, this is about 10 minutes into the DVD, the MP3, it stops. Now, I'm not about signs and wonders, okay? I understand that we live by faith, not by sight today, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. But you know what the Holy Spirit did? He used that silence to get a hold of me. And he said, are you too comfortable? Are you willing to surrender? And again, it wasn't an audible, but it was like me thinking, oh my goodness, yeah. And I'm trying to hit play or fast forward or something and start to get, I need some noise going on. I don't want to think about it. And so that just started, the Holy Spirit just started to speak to my heart about, hey, what about, what about you? What about you? And I remember that next day at Syracuse Orthopedic Specialist, it was kind of a slower day, and I had my Bible out reading it there and before, between patients and things like that. And a gentleman, a coworker that just started working there maybe a month ago, haven't had really much time to talk to him, he sat down at one of the seats uh, in the waiting room there for x-ray, and he said, oh, my name's, you know, so-and-so, uh, what do you like to do for fun? And uh, so I lifted up my Bible and I said, well, I got saved a few years ago here and I just love Lord Jesus Christ and I love reading my Bible. And, uh, you know, you never know what's, <laughs> what kind of reaction is going to come about that. And he said, really? He's like, I've been saved since 79. And so he's starting to talk to me and everything like that. And, you know, he started a conversation that I didn't even bring up anything about missions. And he said, you know, I believe a lot of uh, Christians have been called to go somewhere else, but they're just too just, you know, just too comfortable where they're at. I said, oh my goodness, (laughs) you know, and uh, I said, I can't believe it. So I'm trying to change the subject with him, you know, and so, uh, so I remember I called Jennifer, and I know a lot of you know this story, but I just want to repeat it again. I remember I called Jennifer, you know, and we're engaged at the time and everything, and I said, you know, I know that uh, uh, we're engaged, and we're engaged to be married, and we're serious, but I just want you to know, I think the Lord might be dealing with me about being a missionary, 
And I said, I know the mission field's not an easy place to go no matter where it is, India, Africa, I don't know where, you know. And uh, I said, so I would understand if you didn't want to marry me. And of course she said, well, no, I believe that God has put us together and so where you're called, I'll go. And then she said, as long as it's anywhere but the Arctic. <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, no, why would God, there's nothing out there in the Arctic. It's polar bears, you know, there's penguins or whatever. I don't know. There's nothing out there. And then I remember that uh, before that weekend came up, Pastor Matt Smith in Vestal, New York, he called me up and he said, listen, I got a missionary here. You know him, um, uh, Angelo Serino. And he's trying to get out in the field, but we want to have him in for a missions conference meeting. And my dad was going to that church at the time. He was living in Vestal, New York. And uh, so he said, would you mind coming, maybe visiting your dad and coming to church and bringing Angelo Serino, because he can't move, you know, his right arm, his, his right leg, because he shot himself in the head, and, and now, but he's a missionary and trying to reach souls, but he can't get here on his own. <clears throat> so I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll bring him out. And so uh, I'm in the car with him, and his wife is in the back seat, Shayla, and I said, what better opportunity to be able to talk to somebody about what's on my heart right now? And so I started to tell him, I said, listen, brother, so the Lord's really been dealing with me about this. I don't know. What do you think? I know you're a missionary, you know, going on, deputa on deputation right now, trying to get out to the field. You know, what do you think? And he's looking back at his wife and looking back at me and looking back at his wife. And he said, are you serious, brother? He's like, because I've been, I've been praying for you. Me and Shayla have been praying for you by name to go help my dad out there in the Arctic. I said, what? And, uh, and at that point, I'm like, Lord, it's not going to be a man calling me out there. It's going to be you, all right? I'm not, I'm not going to be called by a man. And it's just over and over, the Lord just kept on saying this and saying that. And uh, I remember I was really struggling with the fact that it was a small place, right? Less than 1,000 Eskimo villagers. I said, God, that doesn't make any sense, right? On paper, well, why don't you want me somewhere where there's millions of people? I mean, hundreds of millions of people. Why do you want me in a little secluded area where I'm probably going to lose my mind, <laughs> okay? And, uh, and I remember we went to a meeting, uh, I think a week or two later, and some, some ladies got up and saying little as much when God is in it. And that verse that goes on and talks about, uh, is the mission field that you're called to labor seems so small and little known? Little as much when God is in it and he'll not forget his own. And it was like, oh my goodness. It's like every argument I had against God <laughs> to do this thing, he just kept answering like that. And finally, uh, we surrendered and, uh, of course, got married first. And we surrendered and I remember we took our first missions trip out there in December of 2012. We wanted to know when it was really bad out there, what we were to expect. And the whole two weeks we were out there, I remember opening up my Bible, reading my daily uh, Bible reading for that day, and almost everything that me and Brother Serino, the missionary that's out there, that, that we were talking about lined up with my Bible reading for that day. And it was like God was just saying, listen, geographically you are here in Point Hope, the village of Point Hope, and you're reading exactly what is being discussed between the both of you. This is geographically where you're supposed to be. And uh, I know I've said this before also, but there's a difference between a burden and a calling. It's good to have a burden. You should have a burden. But I remember when I first uh, emailed Brother Serino about it, and he said, listen, brother, there is a burden and there's a calling. And he said, any people will destroy your burden quick. <laughs> he said, you know what will keep you out here is a calling. And he said, you better make sure of your calling. And I'm so thankful he said that to me. I thought he was going to be like, praise God, you're the answer to our prayers, you know. Come on, I don't care, just come. But he was like, listen, there is Alaskan missions, and then there's the high Arctic mission field. And he said, there's two different things. He said, the high Arctic mission field is, is a hardship, it's hard, it's depressing. There's uh, very little fruit that's done over years and years. He said, you got to make sure you're called there. 
And uh, I'm so thankful that he said that because I've got the scriptures on it that I know are calling. And you say, well, what did you say all that? I said all that to say this, God is still in the calling business. And he might not call somebody out of here like he called me specifically in that way, but he is still trying to get a hold of somebody's heart. And I don't know if there's somebody in here right now that maybe he's been trying to get a hold of your heart and you're just not willing. And you're just shutting down. You say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> That's kind of how I was. Just fast forward that CD so I, did, I could just not hear it. Look at me to Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. I know Pastor Kenny here and I know Pastor Legault. They have a heart for missions. And I know they try and get that burden to everybody. But boy, I know my flesh. And I know my flesh tries to get in the way all the time. And in Ezekiel chapter 22, how many times do we hear about missionaries saying, I am here in this field, in this country, and there's hundreds of millions of people just in this, I mean hundreds and thousands of people in this city alone, and there's only me out here as a gospel-preaching missionary. How many missionaries have we heard that are on deputation trying to get out into the field and they say there's millions of people in this country and there's not a good gospel preaching missionary that I know of or, or, or that's in this certain area. There's nobody in that area that's trying to reach those people. You know what that is? That's a gap. There are gaps all throughout this world where we need men and women and families that are there standing in the gap and saying, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to fight for the Lord Jesus Christ for these souls here. And here in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recommenced upon their head, saith the Lord. You know what uh, God says? I'm looking for somebody to go out there and stand in the gap. I'm trying to find somebody, but I can't find anybody. You know, we have five villages in the North Slope. There's eight villages. We have now five villages without a gospel-preaching missionary. You know, there's many people. Uh, just churches in Alaska that have a church building, that have a parsonage that a family could stay in, and it's vacant, and there's nobody there. You say, whose fault is that? It's not God's. There are churches, and there are hearts, people, their individual hearts, that are not softened to the word of God and saying, Lord, I'll go. In Ezekiel chapter 13, look at Ezekiel chapter 13. I mean, just think about it. Can you imagine being somewhere? You grew up there. Your family brought you up there. Uh, and you, that's all you know. You've been raised there. You can't get out of there. Imagine being here in Marville and secluded, not being able to go anywhere except by a, a bush pilot plane or something. So you're just stuck here, but you have no good church. Say, say Emmanuel Baptist Bible Church wasn't here. Wouldn't that be terrible? There's people all over Alaska, all over the world that are in that shape, that are in there. They don't have any good gospel-preaching, Bible-believing church. And Ezekiel chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, Ye have not gone up into the gaps, neither made up the hedge, for the house of Israel is standing in the battle in the day of the Lord. You know, there's so many places that need good men to go stand in the gap. Look at Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. 
Here is Isaiah, and he says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. You know what I did many years ago, and actually I was going to Buckley Road Baptist Church out in Syracuse for three years, and Amazing Grace Missions came in. I don't know if anybody knows about that, but what that is, they go to the fair booths and things like that. They go to the fairs, and they set up uh, fair booths where you can lead people to the Lord. You try and bring them in, and I've worked them many times. And they came in and say, listen, we need missionaries to go out here and maybe go full-time, maybe just, you know, on after your work hours, you're able to go out there to the fairgrounds, and you're able to lead people to the Lord. And I just, the Lord was like pulling on my heartstrings. And I remember getting down on the altar there at, uh, uh, at Buckley Road Baptist Church. It was about right here. And it goes out a little bit more, not as big as steps right here. But I remember about right there, I got down on my face, right there on my hands and knees. And I remember just shaking. And I remember crying. And I'm saying, Lord, I know you want me to do this. Uh, you're pulling at my heart. I don't know what it is, but I know you want me to do this. And this is way before uh, Jennifer and I met and all that, before God called us in the missions. And you know what I, I pretty much said? That, uh, here am I, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, send me. You know what I believe we need more people in churches doing? Even if you've done it before, we need to do it constantly and saying, Lord, I'm going to get down an old-fashioned altar. I'm going to say, here am I, Lord. Send me. Now, he might not send you. But you know what we need to do? We need to have willing hearts to say, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I, I, I've got a job, I've got all these things, but Lord, I'm here, I'll, send me, I'll go. And you know what he's looking for? Just somebody being willing. And if he's not going to send you there, at least he's thankful that you're willing because he's got your heart. And I remember before we started deputation, I remember Brother Dempsey was here, our missionary, Brother Dempsey. And I remember I went up to him and I just picked his brain and I said, listen, I said, I've got a great job at Syracuse Orthopedic Specialist. <laughs> I mean, an amazing job that I've waited years to get. And I, I, I'm making great money. I've got a great retirement. And my wife has had 12 surgeries because she's got a bone disease and all these other ailments. And I can get her in right away with these orthopedic doctors and get surgeries whenever I need to. And she can get in and be seen by them at any moment because I work. It just doesn't make any sense. And I said to him, I said, listen, I'm giving money to missions. And why would God do this? It doesn't make any sense. I remember Brother Dempsey said, listen, brother. He said, it never makes sense with God, <laughs> down on paper. It doesn't. He said, listen, I, I was making six figures, he said, and God called me. And he said, you know what's going to happen is, if you don't go, if God's truly called you, and if you don't go, you can send as much money out to the Arctic as you want. But if you're the one that's called out there to stand in that gap, it's not going to mean anything just sending money out there. He needs a man to go out there and say, I'm here, Lord, and I'm going to stand in the gap and I'm going to preach the gospel. And I believe more people are being called, but they're not answering. They're not heeding that call. Look with me back to Acts chapter 13. Look at verse 3. Acts chapter 13, verse 3. And here is Paul and Barnabas, and they are willing. Acts chapter 13 The Bible says in verse 3, and when they had fasted and prayed. I mean, you see how the shape of this church is unbelievable. That church was fasting and praying before the Holy Spirit got a hold of Paul and Barnabas. And now after the Holy Spirit told Paul and Barnabas to go, uh, now they fast again and pray. 
I mean, this is a church that's on fire for God. And it says right there in verse 3, And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. I don't believe it's just in an individual, you know, not getting called or whatever. I believe a whole church many times can be at fault. And I'm not saying, you know, our church is at fault. I'm not necessarily saying that. But boy, maybe we all as a whole can get a little bit closer to the Lord and, and get a little bit more serious about missions and saying, Lord, is there somebody in our church that you want to go? Me? Anybody else? We need to pray about it more. Lord, who do you want to send? And there in verse 3, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. And when they're laying their hands on them, that's just showing them, hey, listen, us as a church family are behind you all the way. Whatever happens, we're there with you. You need something, we're there with you. You need prayer, we're there with you. You are an extension of us. You are, you are part of us. Where you go, what you do, what you say, what hardships you go through, we feel, we pray for, we are there with you. And we're behind you all the way. Because I tell you, when you get out on the mission field, boy, you feel alone. <laughs> you feel alone. When you get secluded out there and the people don't want you and the people tell you that they don't want you there and you're trying to preach and, and uh, it's hard because you don't know anybody there, uh, you need a local church. And our missionaries need a local church to get a hold of them and, and let them know you love them and let them know that uh, you care for them. And I'm so thankful for our church. But, you know, that doesn't just apply to the missionaries that are out of our church like Brother Paul Victor and Brother Williams and myself, that applies to any missionary that comes in here and we take them on for support. We need to be behind them. We need to be behind them all the way. And you know what happens here? Look at verse 4. Acts chapter 13, verse 4. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. He makes it plain again. It's not the church telling where to go. I can't tell you how many times people say, so how long is your church making you be out there in the Arctic? <laughs> I, I tell them, listen, if my pastor or my church said, you got to be out there, I'd say, see ya. <laughs> I'm not a part of the church anymore then. <laughs> because I don't want to be out there. Amen? People say, oh, you must love Alaska. Listen, I'm out there and I love it because I know that's where God wants us to be. You know, you know every time me and Jennifer come back, I'm always a little bit worried about it. Because I love New York. I don't love the politics. But I grew up here and I love trees. All right? Out where I am, there's no trees. Brother Serino tried to plant a tree. He got all this soil, dug this, I mean, feet down there, and put all this good soil, and he put this plant there, this tree there, good hardy tree, and then he put plexiglass around the thing. And he said, this is going to grow. <laughs> and then you get a month and a half of no sunlight, and it dies. <laughs> I miss trees. I mean, I tell Jennifer all the time, I say, you know, if the Lord wills sometime, I would love to just get five, ten acres somewhere out here in Martville or someplace like that and just be able to have a nice house with a fireplace. That's what I'd like to have. You say, you say you just love being in Alaska. Listen, I love being there because that's where the Lord wants us to be. Do I love there because that's where I want to be? No. <laughs> no. And uh, so it's not anybody else telling me to be out there but God. It's only God. You say you miss your family? A lot. A lot. And here uh, in verse 4, it says that they went. Not only does a missionary that is called need to be willing to go, but then they need to put their feet to it and go. And they need to follow through. You know, they say uh, a missionary only lasts about one year out in the mission field. Um, the Alaskan Arctic out there, they last about three years, they say, out in the Arctic. Don't last very long. And uh, in anywhere, pretty much. It's very hard for a missionary to stay out on the field. We need to be praying for our missionaries. And here in verse 5, look at what they do right when they get out. Verse 5, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. 
the first thing they do is just preach. And that's exactly the first thing all of us should do, whether you're a missionary here in, in Marville, whether you're a missionary uh, in the Arctic or India or wherever, the first thing you need to do is just preach, preach, preach. And that's exactly what we do is preach, preach, preach. And you say, what are we preaching? Well, we're preaching the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel, that they could be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. And look with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse 14, And how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? And who sends them? The local church. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to be sending missionaries. And we need to be going with them in regards to spiritually going with them and pray for them. And pray for opportunities to be able to witness to others. To be able to be delivered from unreasonable, wicked men. For uh, the hearts of those that they're witnessing to be softened. And you know, I truly believe that we have that wailing captain's family coming to our church because of the prayers of the saints. That's not us. That's not anybody else. You know what that is? That's a miracle of God. And that's the prayers of the saints uh, uh, helping, of course, get God's favor to soften their hearts to the gospel. Look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. People say, oh, you're talking about money all the time. Why would churches talk about money? We're not talking it so we can get something. <laughs> Amen? We're talking about it because look at what Paul says in verse 15. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell of sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, that guy came up to me and he was saying, oh, it just sounds crazy sending money to missionaries. And there's got to be a better way than that. I said, well, you tell me. Tell me what's a better way than what the Bible says to do. <laughs> And uh, he said, well, it just sounds like, you know, a uh, prosperity gospel kind of thing. I said, look what that says there in verse, uh, verse 19. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You're faithful in giving to your missions program. You're faithful in tithing. You're faithful in being faithful to the Lord. And you know what? He's going to supply all your need. I don't care if anybody tries to call that the social gospel or the prosperity gospel or not. We're not preaching, listen, if you get saved, God's going to load you with all this stuff. No. But if you give to missions, God is going to supply all your need that you need. <laughs> Amen? Look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let me ask you this. What better investment is there in this world? I mean, really. What better investment in this world is there? Then seeing souls receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 6. <clears throat> the Bible says, I have planted, this is of course Paul, the missionary, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, 
You know, when I'm out there on the field and Jennifer's out there on the field, Jacob's out there on the field, Joanna and Sarah are out there on the field, and we're out there in the Arctic and we're planting seed, you know what others throughout this whole entire country can be doing is watering that seed with tears for those souls. And you know when it says those that plant and those that water are one. We're one out there on the field when we uh, are there together. And it says there, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. That's an amazing thing that we all can get in. I mean, me and Jennifer, of course, still support missionaries all over the world. And it's so amazing to get the reports from these missionaries. This soul got saved. This soul got saved. We were able to get all these gospel tracts out. We were able to get all these John and Romans out. I'm just like, praise God, because we get a part in that. I mean, it's an amazing thing. Look at me to Matthew chapter 6. Now, I'm not a financial advisor. <laughs> Let me put that out before I get sued, okay? But uh, I had a 401k through Syracuse Orthopedic Specialists, right? And uh, I don't know how anybody else is. But I know they say, don't look at go, doo -doo -doo -doo, you know, like this, all that kind of stuff, right? And it go down and go on. And then, and then I got a Roth IRA and all that kind of stuff. And I went, doo -doo -doo, and then, <laughs> and I said, you know what? I'm done with this. this is, and I'm not saying that you should do that, okay? But this is what I did. I sold it. <laughs> I got rid of the thing. And uh, you know what? I, and I know that you can, you know, get a retirement. That I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm not a financial advisor, okay? But you know what I said? You know what? Boy, there is a better investment out there. A better investment out there. And uh, you know what I love about it? It's not like a stock market where you could just lose it. It's not like a car where it's just going to rust. Amen? You know what? I'd like a new Corvette. You see those new Corvettes? I'd like that thing. But you know what would happen here in, in Martville? That thing would rust out like crazy. I'd be having it over at James's all the time to get fixed. I mean, it would be ridiculous. Um, listen, you can have all that stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that stuff. Amen? There's nothing wrong with having a 401k. I think you should. Amen? I think you should have a retirement plan. I think you should have all that stuff. I'm not saying any of that kind of stuff, okay? Uh, but what I'm saying is we've got a better investment that we can invest in. And here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And boy, you know what? We see so many amazing things take place out there on the field because people are saying, you know what? I want to invest in heaven. I want to see souls get saved. You know, one day we're going to be able to see those souls. Look at Revelation chapter 5. You say, why in the world should we invest in the missions? Why? Why is it that important? In Revelation chapter 5, look at verse 9. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. This is up in heaven. The Bible says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, talking about Jesus Christ, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You know what? These souls from all nations, everywhere, you know how they were reached? By missions. And you know why they're up there in heaven? Because of missions. And you know what they're doing up there in heaven? They're singing this song to the lamb that was slain. 
And they're giving them all the glory and honor and praise. You say, why should we get involved in missions? That's why. Because the more our heart is in tune with God's will to reach more souls throughout Martville and throughout Oswego and throughout the whole entire world, the more we're able to see more souls from all nations one day stand before the throne of Jesus Christ and cast her through. I mean, talk about crowns. The more souls we reach, the more crowns the Lord Jesus Christ is going to have before his feet. The more people are just going to bow down before him, fall as dead before his feet and give him all the glory and honor. You say, is it important to reach the soul so they don't go to hell? Yes, but that should not be our main motive. Our main motive is so that we are able to reach them so that they can give all the glory, all the honor to the Lord Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And that should be the main motive. And boy, I tell you what, if me and Jennifer were just out there and we're just out there just because we're trying to reach souls, we wouldn't stay out there. There are some times when we're out there, especially when whaling season starts, we might have one or two people in the morning service. <laughs> you say, is that depressing? Yeah, it can get kind of depressing. But you know what then I say to myself? I'm like, hey, listen, stupid. <laughs> You're not doing this for you. You're not doing this for glory. You know what you're doing this for? To please the Lord Jesus Christ. And if one soul will be able to give just that 45 minutes that I'm preaching to them and we're singing songs out to the Lord, if that one soul can give some glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and even get saved and then be able to be in heaven for all of eternity, giving glory for all of eternity, that's a great investment. Even if it's just one soul. And that's what our motive should be. If that's not our main motive, we're not going to have our heart in it like we should. But as the lady's song, as my wife sang, boy, all that he did, all that he sacrificed for us, how can we not get involved in this missions? How can we not say he is worthy to have more souls up there from all nations glorifying him for all of eternity? And we're going to end here. Look at Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Our video that we showed here last time with all those kids and adults and elders getting baptized and coming back up. I mean, I've watched it probably, I can't even count the times. I probably count, watched that thing 60, 70 times and I still get emotional. And you say, why? Because every single one of those souls has received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and now are getting baptized, being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're giving the Lord Jesus Christ all the glory through all that. Because, boy, they got baptized as a baby, and then the parents are saying, why do they have to get baptized again? <laughs> they got to baptize in the Episcopal Church. You know, that to get baptized, that's giving God the glory. Because they're saying, I don't believe the Episcopal Church, I believe the Word of God. And, boy, you see that, and then I'm able to show it to you guys and able to show it to many others and say, look at that. You see that video right there of all these souls getting baptized, all these that have gotten saved beforehand and all that? That is... Those souls are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day. And we all have a part in every single one. Unbelievable. Acts chapter 14, verse 26. Acts chapter 14, verse 26. Here, Paul and Barnabas are able to come back to their local church. They're on furlough, if you will. In Acts chapter 14, verse 26, they're able to tell them about what's happened. Acts 14, 26, and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them. And how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles, and there they abode long time with the disciples. I don't know about you, but I love hearing the updates from missionaries, and especially seeing the videos. 
I mean, the buyers, I, I, I mean, I was real impressed with the buyers. I think you guys had the buyers in here just recently. And just seeing the slides, I mean, he's got hours of slides. And the work that they've done out there, unbelievable, for 20 years. And it's unbelievable the things that they've accomplished. And every church that has a part in their ministry has a part in every single one of those souls. That's unbelievable. I know I keep saying that, but it is. You know, I know this probably might not be right. It might be, I don't know. But I always think about one day getting to heaven. And then you have a soul come up to me. And a soul comes up to me and says, listen, you don't know me. But you know what? I'm from India. And because you had supported and prayed for your missionary, probably know him, Paul Victor, I'm here because he preached the gospel to me. And I'm here I know it's him mainly that he was able to preach the gospel, but because of you sending him out here uh, prayerfully and financially and praying over my soul, I am here in heaven today and not in hell because you invested in my soul. Can you imagine that, that day, one day in heaven, seeing somebody like that? And then the Lord Jesus Christ coming over, and I don't know if this will happen, but the Lord Jesus Christ coming over and just looking at you in your eyes and, and saying, boy, look at these souls here that are here from all different nations. This one here, you supported the missionary that was able to reach him. You supported this missionary that was able to reach her. You supported this missionary that was able to reach that 10-year-old kid there before they passed away there in, in Uganda or wherever. And boy, just think about that. And here are all these souls giving all the glory, all the honor to Lord Jesus Christ, for he's worthy. And when we have a heart for missions, we get in. We get in on that. Now, I don't know if there's anybody here tonight that maybe the Lord's been dealing about your heart about maybe going somewhere. Maybe the Lord's been trying to deal with you about surrendering to go. Maybe you are too comfortable where you are. And you say, I got a job. I got a 401k. I got all this. I got a family here. Listen, if God's called you to go, that's the safest place you can be. I told my parents, and my mom especially, and she's all for it. I mean, she's all for it now. But I, I, I still have to remind some of my family members, my, my grandma and everybody, I said, you know Jonah? <laughs> he ran from the will of God. You know what happened to him? He got swallowed by a whale. You know how many chances I have of getting swallowed by a whale in the Arctic? A lot. <laughs> I mean, they're mad at us. We're killing them out there. And uh, I just try and tell them, listen, the safest place for me and my family is in the, in the center of the will of God. And if God's calling you, that's the safest place for you to be in your family. And maybe somebody's here and saying, you know what, maybe the Lord's starting to get a hold of my heart to get more involved with missions. Maybe I'm not giving financially to missions. This is a great time to start. Maybe you haven't been praying for your missionaries like you should. It's a great time to start. You know what? The best thing, too, that you could do if you haven't done this in a while is to get down an old-fashioned altar and saying, Lord, I don't know. I don't feel you calling me anywhere, but Lord, here am I. Send me if it's your will. Here am I. Whatever you want me to do, here am I. There would, he wouldn't say, how dare you. get? No, he'd say, thank you. Thank you for being willing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the word of God, Lord. Lord, we just are so thankful for our great Savior dying on that cross for us. Lord, being buried for our sins and rising again. And Lord, this, this mission, Lord, is so important. And we know it's the heartbeat of God. And Lord, there's so many gaps in this world where souls are slipping off into eternity. They say 259,000, 259,000 souls a day are slipping off into eternity. A quarter of a million souls every day, and most of them are going to hell. 
Lord, we need to do better. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to have willing hearts and do business with you tonight if you've laid it upon our hearts. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.